Hello, and welcome to Holdenless Road Methodist Church Audio Worship. The audio you are about to hear was broadcast on the 21st of March. Thanks go to John for leading us in worship. Our call to worship is from Hebrews. Let's approach God's throne of grace with confidence so we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We sing our first hymn. Before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea, a great high priest name is love whoever lives and pleads for me my name is graven on his hands my name is written on his heart i know that while in heaven he stands no tongue can bid me thence depart no tongue can bid me When Satan tempts me to despair And tells me of the guilt within Upward I look and see him there Who made an end to all my sin Because the sinless Savior died My sinful soul is counted free adoration and confession. Let's pray. Thank you for welcoming us to pray to you, our loving Heavenly Father. You generously provide all we need to survive, causing the earth to be fruitful, the sun to shine and the rain to fall. You call us to know you, not only as our God, but as our friend. 
you offer us wise guidance and instruction so we can safely enjoy the good gifts you supply. But we're easily distracted into wrong ways, foolish arrogance, stubborn selfishness and bad choices. Amazingly, instead of giving up on us, in Jesus you pursue us like a shepherd rounding up lost sheep. We're sorry for our wrong attitudes, actions and words, for failing to live in your way of love. Please forgive us for his sake and help us live the right way from now on. In Jesus' name, Amen. And the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those that trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. Jeremiah chapter 31 verses 31 to 34 The day is coming, says the Lord, when I'll make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant won't be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt. They broke that covenant, though I loved them as a husband loves his wife, says the Lord. But this is the new covenant I'll make with the people of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I'll put my instructions deep within them, and I'll write them on their hearts. I'll be their God, and they'll be my people. And they'll not need to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying, You should know the Lord. For everyone, from the least to the greatest, will know me already, says the Lord. And I'll forgive their wickedness, and I'll never again remember their sins. The Word of the Lord. Let's have a brief prayer. Lord, open your word to our hearts, and our hearts to your word. Amen. Through Moses, the Israelites made a binding legal agreement with God. He'd guide them to a homeland and defend and care for them. They'd keep his commandments and worship him alone. Jesus said later that the greatest commandment was to love God with all one's heart, soul and mind, and that the second was Love your neighbour as yourself. These, he said, were the basis of the entire law and the prophet's demands. But we can't love someone just because we're told to. Love is a matter of the heart. But in the Bible, that means our will, our real inward personality, not just our emotions. Another time, Jesus said, Do to others whatever you'd like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that's taught in the Law and the Prophets.
but that's still a tall order. Through Jeremiah, God told his people he'd love them as a husband loves his wife. He wants an intimate, loving relationship with his people. He'd taken them, that is the people of Moses' day, by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt where they'd been slaves. He'd led them to the land he'd promised and helped them overcome their enemies. But they'd kept breaking their promises. They never fully trusted him. For about 600 years, they kept making alliances with pagan neighbours, worshipping idols and ill-treating the weak and powerless. They mostly ignored the prophets that God sent to rebuke them, including Jeremiah, who'd warned them God was going to bring calamity on them. Finally, through him, God said, they broke my covenant, finished, smashed to bits. By then, he'd already let the Babylonians occupy most of the country and Jerusalem was about to fall. They'd ignored the example of King David 400 years earlier. The prophet Samuel once called him a man after God's own heart. When he became king, he did right at first, but later he committed adultery with Bathsheba. When she'd found she was pregnant, he first tried to conceal his responsibility, and then contrived to get her husband Uriah killed in battle. When the prophet Nathan told him God knew what he'd done, he was devastated, as we find in a psalm he wrote, Psalm 51. We're going to read the first 12 verses now. Gentlemen, please read the verses in light print. Ladies, those in bold print. Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt, purify me from my sin. For I recognize my rebellion, it haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned, I have done what is evil in your sight. You'll be proved right in what you say and your judgment against me is just. For I was born a sinner, yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. But you desire honesty from the womb, teaching me wisdom even there. Purify me from my sins, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. You've broken me. Now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence, and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. 
Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Letting somebody down puts our relationships under stress and if it keeps happening, destroys the trust on which good relationships depend. The lack of trust that the Jews of Jeremiah's day had in God had destroyed their relationship with him. In the psalm, David recognised that his careless actions had completely undermined his personal relationship with God, which had been the core of his life. Through Nathan, God had asked, Why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? Now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house because you despised me. In Jeremiah's time, through his fellow prophet Ezekiel, God announced his devastating judgment on the nation for similar reasons. I'll deal with you as you deserve, because you've completely despised my oath by breaking my covenant. David understood at once that by treating God with contempt, he'd made him his enemy. He'd lost the joy which had come from his assurance of God's salvation and felt as though God had broken his bones. Such contempt is the root of all sin. Love, trust and respect are all bound up together and when one goes, the others follow. We've all been guilty of it to some degree when we've wanted to do something God's wanted us not to do or not wanted to do something he's directed us to do. We've wanted what we wanted there and then, however it might affect other people. But God feels that as a kick in the teeth. That's why another prophet, Isaiah, said, Your sins have cut you off from God. But that separation grieves God too. So there's hope the relationship can be restored. We'll think about how that happens after our next hymn.
How was David's relationship with God restored? It was perhaps partly because it had been so good until then. But also, David acknowledged his fault as soon as he heard God knew about it. The Puritans used to say that we should keep short accounts with God and confess sin as soon as we're aware of it. And that's how David acted. In his psalm, he admitted having rebelled against God by doing evil. Though he'd certainly done wrong to Uriah, and in a way to Bathsheba too, and to Joab, the general who'd got rid of Uriah for him, he saw that his sin, like all sin, had been fundamentally against God. He didn't pretend he didn't know what came over him, but confessed that, like all of us, he'd been born a sinner. He knew he could do nothing to appease God. Later in the psalm, he says, you don't want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You won't reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. He could offer nothing of value to God but the helplessness of his broken heart. He based his appeal on what he knew of God's own character, his mercy, unfailing love and compassion. Nathan had told him, The sword shall never depart from your house and said that Bathsheba's baby would die. David didn't claim that was unfair. While the baby was ill, he begged God to spare the child. But when it died, he accepted it. It was the stain left on his soul by what he'd done that really bothered him. So he kept pleading for God to remove it to wash him clean and purify him. He couldn't even promise to sin no more, but prayed, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Make me willing to obey you. He begged God not to keep looking at his sins, nor to banish him, nor to take his Holy Spirit from him. He asked to be given the joy of God's salvation again. God longs for sinners to genuinely have such an attitude, and he gladly responds. So, even though Jeremiah's contemporaries had to endure long-suffering, God looked forward to a time when they turned back to him, as David had. He promised them a new relationship based on a new covenant. At its core was his promise to be their God and for them to be his people, which would now have binding legal force as an explicit part of the new covenant. Up till then, 
people hadn't had any heart desire to do what God wanted. But the essence of the law is love for God and for other people. It's a matter of the heart. So to make it effective, he said, I'll put my instructions deep within them and I'll write them on their hearts. He didn't say how he'd do it and the Jews weren't immediately transformed. Even when centuries later the Pharisees set out to keep the law scrupulously, Jesus accused them of missing its real point. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill and cumin, but you've neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy and faithfulness. And it was through Jesus that God ultimately fulfilled much of the promise given through Jeremiah and answered David's prayer. It's through him everyone can know God as he promised through Jeremiah. In the first chapter of his gospel, John says, No one has ever seen God, the only Son who is in the bosom of the Father. He has made him known. And in his first letter, he says that God loved us and sent his Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. We love because he loved us first. Jesus had taught about God's readiness to forgive in his parable of the prodigal son, as Joan Richardson reminded us in last week's service. According to Luke, at the Last Supper with his disciples before his death, he referred to the cup of wine as the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. John later wrote that the blood of Jesus purifies us from all sin. So it was Jesus' death on the cross that truly achieved the blotting out of the stain of sin for which David had prayed. And it made possible for God to forgive his people's wickedness and never again remember their sins as he promised through Jeremiah. So Jesus mended the breach caused by sin, so that no one need fear as David did, being banished from God's presence. He did more. Far from taking his Holy Spirit from us as David feared, as Paul wrote to the Romans, God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Later in that letter, he says, God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied in us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. 
So it's God's gracious presence in our lives through his spirit that, as David prayed, creates in us a clean heart and, as God promised through Jeremiah, writes his law in all our hearts. That doesn't immediately prevent us from ever sinning again. Old habits die hard. But as Paul once wrote, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Now we pray for the world, the church, and for ourselves. Let's pray. When I say, Lord, hear us, please respond, graciously hear us. Lord, hear us, graciously hear us. God of mercy, you long to be reconciled with those who are cut off from you by sin. Give us grace to share with all the good news of salvation through your Son, Jesus Christ, and give them grace to put their trust in you, turn to you, and receive your forgiveness and the new life of your Spirit. Lord, hear us, graciously hear us. God of wisdom, we pray for the leaders of our nation and our world. Give them grace to order the affairs of the nations justly and to promote peace. When they do wrong, make them quick to recognise it and like David, seek your help to make a fresh start. Lord, hear us, graciously hear us. God of love, raise up men and women of faith fearlessly to speak out your word as the old prophets did and grant to your whole church the discernment to recognise your voice and the humility to obey it. Uphold those who are suffering persecution for their faith and turn the hearts of their persecutors. Lord, hear us graciously hear us god of compassion have pity on all those in trouble or distress especially those who are suffering illness loneliness stress or financial hardship because of this pandemic help the health and social services in their work and bless the Ministry of Food Banks and of relief agencies struggling to meet the needs of the hungry, the refugees and the homeless under the present conditions. We keep silence to pray for those on each of our hearts. Lord, hear us, graciously hear us. Lord, accept these prayers for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. A blessing. May God, who is all love, teach us all loving. May God, 
who is all peace, give us hope in all circumstances. May God, who is over all, call us to a larger future. May God, who is beyond all, lead us into glory. Amen.